I think I would like to assume um, the audience uh, currently that we have the audience today is that maybe uh, I would like to know whether you are really interested in IoT or IR 4.0 is where do you belong to? Uh, in which category? Are you the end user? So are you the ones that would love to find a way to solve your current problems or the way that how you want to start your journey and identify the best approach in providing an IoT solutions? Or even are you considering to develop your IoT solutions in-house? But maybe you're also a product house or a new startups and beginning to feel that uh, if you are the current product, uh, product house, you might feel that, can I expand my business unit? Can I create new products? And the startup might say that, is this a new, is this a good business for me to start off and creating new revenue streams and become big? Or maybe you are just a system, existing system integrator. So you have all the, the skills that you have, but you don't have the skills of building an IT solutions because traditionally we might be more on the IT base, but now you're seeing that IT and OT converge together. You might want to value add your existing skills or existing services to your customers. So this uh, presentation will maybe will, can answer some of your questions. That's the idea. I think, of course, you know that Kevin Ashton is what I call he's the father of IoT. He coined the term IoT is since 1999. So that was like 20, 21 years ago. But somehow in Malaysia, what we are seeing is that we only heard about IoT or start to Google the word IoT in 2014. And now we are trying to Google the word IR 4.0 or industry forward or industry 4.0 in 2018. The reason being 2018, because we launched that industry forward uh, blueprint, the framework that we have. So because of that, everyone start to understand, trying to understand what exactly is industry 4.0. And again, that you heard about this IoT is one of the key components in that IR 4.0. And then we are seeing that why a lot of companies or we encourage people to transform themselves. You know, every three to seven years, every company must transform. Otherwise, they become obsolete. A lot of companies that we are seeing the last 50 years ago, only 90% of them are still in existence because they are, they are quite slow in adapting or embracing new technologies. That's what's happening. And because the technology comes in cycles, so you can't avoid them. So we are seeing now the third tsunami of internet, which is the internet of things. IoT also is very important in that element of industrial revolution. I think a lot of people have this different definition about IR 4.0 or you have definition but based on certain sector. The one that we have industry forward or industry 4.0 maybe is catered to uh, manufacturing. But if we want to know more, you take a look at how we live in this particular era. If you're using physical tools, manual tools, you're era 1.0. But if you're using electrical devices which are electrical, then you're in the era of 2.0. In the era of 3.0, when internet comes in, using online, using database, but when technologies like IoT, AR, VR, blockchain, robotics, drones, these are the new technologies that comes in in the era of 4.0. So fourth industrial revolution, by definition, by World Economic Forum, they identify a lot of technologies. This is being defined by them in technology pillars. So you can see that space technology is one of them, geoengineering is something which is different from us, biotechnologies might not, you know, but it depends on which industry that you want to work with. 
For example, the one that we have, like industry forward, they have these enabling technologies. They have defined like big data analytics, AI, VR, additive manufacturing, IoT, cloud computing, robots. So these are the technologies pillars within that industry forward. But when you go to different industry, where if you're industry in construction, for example, construction, they have just built up their blueprint. And this blueprint mentioned that they have 12 technology pillars. And one of the technology pillars which is important in the construction sector is the building information system. Uh, then prefabrication and modular construction. But others, you might have the similar technologies like AR, VR, IoT. These are the, the, the common technologies in a lot of other sectors. So we see that some of these common uh, technologies like IoT, AR, VR, is you can go everywhere in education, in healthcare, it will also be applied there. Yeah. So when we ask ourselves, where are we now in the era of this revolution? So as I mentioned just now, that four basic elements that we have from one to four, if you are living in, okay, take a look at how we cook. Do you know that which era that are we cooking now? So in the era 1.0, you're using pot, you know, fire. So this is very simple physical things that you're going, you're going to cook, you know, your, your food. But then when you have electrical oven, you're in the era 2.0. When your oven has that electronic buttons and that you can program it, it's at the era 3.0. But once in the era 4.0, you can even do a 3D printing, 3D food. So which era are we in? Have we already gone to the stage of 3D printing? So we have not. Maybe most likely we are 3.0 cooking. All right. So the way that we teach, if the way that we teach using the, the, the blackboard, whiteboard, you know, so that is 1.0. Using OHP, transparency, you're in the era 2.0. It's all electrical. But then in the era 3.0, that's what we are now having classes online, webinar, and so on and so forth. That's the era 3.0. But how do we teach in the era 4.0? So if you use augmented reality, virtual reality, you have robots as the teachers. That is the education of 4.0. So the question is, which era are we in? Then the way that we transact, okay, the way that we transact most likely, we are quite modern, but some are not. Most likely in the urban area, uh, sorry, rural areas, there's still 1.0 using buku 35 and that physical money. And then you might use 2.0 cash register, to, you know, and then you might even use your credit card. Yeah, credit card and all that, you might use online 3.0. But in the era of 4.0, our transaction is mainly using an Apple Watch or maybe using e-wallet. That's the way that we live. But of course, once we take a look at the overall in Malaysia, for example, which era are we now? Because this is very important for us to know where we stand and how we want to go forward. Is there a very big gap? Or is there some fundamentals that we have not addressed before? So when we take a look, we're still 2.7. Why are we not at 3.0? That's the reason when COVID-19 happened last year, everyone is scrambling to say and complaining, saying that I don't even have an internet access. My internet is too slow. There's no connectivity. So that connectivity online is actually 3.0. That's the fundamental of moving forwards to 4.0. How can you move towards 4.0 even without the 3.0? You cannot have that big jump. You must go to that transformation. And that's why we are seeing now in My Digital. And currently, the government says that My Digital is very important because we need to make sure that our fundamental is there. 
the, the business that we are doing is all digital, online. And then we can value add with our 4.0 technologies. Otherwise, how can you put robots even better? You don't have even internet, internet lines, right? So when we take a look at components of IoT, we see that there are four main components. We see that there are sensors, the first component. And then we have connectivity, just what you have heard from Pfizer just now. One of the connectivity is using wireless LP1 technologies and LoRaWAN is one of them. And that's the technology of IoT. That's the best technology to have a low power. Uh, you can have long range using uh, LoRaWAN, eh? unlicensed band, it's cheaper. And then we have the IoT middleware. That's when you want to aggregate, connect your sensors into a platform, a platform what we call a middleware. The middleware is actually aggregates all the sensors which have different kinds of protocols, different kinds of connectivity protocols. So you must make it simple enough to onboard the sensors into the platform so that you can extract the data. So when you extract the data, the fourth component is where you do analytics on top of that data. So you can derive any insights, you can make better decisions. So, so what we are seeing now is now suddenly there is this growth of what we call the tsunami of internet, tsunami of things. Data is being generated. It's because we see a lot of hardware is becoming cheaper. We see connectivity is not everywhere. We see that software is much easier for us to develop. And then you see the most law because the most law, the number of transistors double. And you can have a very a small device, which is very powerful, but have a lot of transistors inside that. And then it's Metcalf's network law. And everything is connected. You can have data being generated. It generates a lot of data. So now we see that suddenly this inflection point where Internet of Things is coming in what we call the tsunami. So why is the reason of IoT? The simplest reason is, it's the need for us to connect a valuable asset. And you want to sense the surround or the environment within that particular, uh, near that asset. For example, if your asset is the goods, so you want to know the condition of the goods. You know what, where exactly. So you need to put sensors that can monitor the temperature or humidity. If the asset is the health, the human is a asset, you want to know the health. You need a wearable device that can be attached and can continuously measure your blood pressure, heart rate, and so on and so forth. If your house is an asset, you want to know there is, you know, your security. You might have a camera that can monitor your house. If the bus, if your transportation is an asset, you need a sensor that can detect where the bus is. Yeah. If your parking is also an asset, you want to know where's the car park, where you can find the car park. Or the parking, uh, the, the parking operator wants to know the utilization of their parking lot. So if you have a very expensive asset that you want to monitor, that's where you use IoT. So people always ask me, how do we start? Which area that we want to enter and transform our business? So there are seven M's in our businesses where IoT can play a big role in any of the seven M's. It can be one, it can be two, or it can be the whole seven M's of the organizations. Whether it's your organization or the organization that you want to serve using your technology. For example, the first M. The first M is about the manpower. Can technology like IoT can increase the productivity? So rather than you have to go and do your own physical, you know, uh, going out and do the measurement of meter reading, you might do a meter reading from remote. You can lower the manpower cost. Maybe you can reduce the number of manpower. Uh, that's where a lot of people are scared because they, they, they lost jobs. It's not lost, lost jobs, but you can 
we skill them into a different kind of jobs. That's the first M. The second M is the material. You want to know the just-in-time sort of thing. If you have a warehouse, for example, you want to know the condition of the assets in the warehouse. You don't want to know the, the logistics, the whereabouts of the assets, so you can save time and the cost. In the third one, is the third M is the machine. The machine that you have, very expensive machine in the factory for so on and so forth. You want to know the uptime of the machines so you can do a proper maintenance. You can reduce errors by detecting any uh, anom- uh, abnormalities, you know, any errors within the machine. So that's the third M. The fourth M, oh, sorry, the fourth M is method. Because traditionally, our methods is very lengthy, so many red tapes and so on and so forth. You need people to sign off. But with technology like IoT, it can detect and can make even a you know trigger a transaction easily. So without any human intervention, it can reduce red tapes. Yeah. The good thing when IoT comes into the blockchain, you can trust the, 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 the transaction. Yeah. So whenever there's a triggering, a blockchain comes in, make sure that the contract is can be fulfilled. Uh, that's one thing. So your, your, your process becoming more agile because you can reduce the 100 process into 20 process flow yeah, becoming faster and efficient. The fifth one is about the new market. Technology like this allows you to create new products and you can create new market segment which you have not even entered. So for example, a facilities management who have traditionally managed their customers using old technologies, but now with new IoT, they can upskill and upgrade and value add their new services uh, using digital. You can expand the reach globally because one thing that we have done here in, in Malaysia, for example, you can create in one country, can be applied in other countries and you can go global. And the sixth part is, for example, is the money. As I mentioned to you, you can create new products, new revenue streams. People have not think of because it can, it can create new disruption business models too. Yeah? And it can save a lot of cost. And then for the management, the more data that you receive from different sensors, it allows you to make a better decision-making process. Uh, it's more transparent for a lot of people so that you can see the dashboard, the visualization, uh, everything is on uh, real time. That's what we need. So in any of the seven areas, you can enter the, the uh, you can use technologies like IoT to help them. Yeah. So even IoT, when you want to deploy IoT, it goes into different phases of IoT maturity because, of course, if you have tons of money, you can go into the fourth level of IoT maturity. Otherwise, you can start off with a very simple uh, monitoring. One step is simple monitoring. You can monitor the temperature, example. Then you can go to the next level of control. You have an actuator, then you can actuate it. You can switch off, switch on. You can control. Or you can even have more data that you have gathered. You can optimize the temperature within the whole building. And finally, you can make it autonomous. You, 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 automatically, it will sense the surrounding and can make dynamic changes autonomously without any intervention of human being. So that's how any, any sectors that you are in, for example, in vehicle, you can do vehicle monitoring, one business. Then you can have vehicle control, another business, for security, you can do a workshop which can do optimization for maintenance. That's optimization. And you can have autonomous car. That's the fourth level of IT maturity. So every level of IT maturity gives a different business disruption. So it's important for us to measure it because otherwise you can improve whatever that you have now. 
So for example, the payback that you can get in transportation and logistics, you know, you put sensors in the vehicle, in, a, in each of the vehicle, you can, you can check out the, the, the truck operations. You can reduce any disruptions in the delivery. You know exactly when is the, the logistics is down. You can increase on-time delivery. You know the availability of your, your transportation. Yeah? You can reduce your delivery system costs and optimize all your logistic systems. That's one payback in the transportation segment. In the oil and gas segment, uh, if you put sensors that you can place around the oil rig and you can identify even problems that can happen because it's very expensive in this such, such sector. And from there, you can have real-time alerts. You can increase your safety through earlier warnings. Eh? You can see data that you can uh, uh, ensure that you can have better asset utilization. And that's one, they, because they know that the, the data that comes in that they generate, it can translate into higher revenue and higher margin because they know where exactly the, you know, uh, the, the oil extraction, the cost of oil extraction. In the smart city, I think like Faisal had mentioned, there's a lot of uh, smart city solutions and it's important for us to uh, ensure that we have a, the, the, you know, the, the smart city to support the quality of life of the people over there. Huh? Other than just the operational cost that you can reduce, you can also increase your new revenue. For example, the parking. Eh? Parking now, you can increase the revenue stream because you know exactly, you can make even a tier parking mechanism too. Yeah? You know when exactly is the peak period, off peak period, and so on and so forth. You can do better planning. You understand the condition of the whole city where you can deploy your personnel to ensure that you can serve the customer well. So you can make sure that the city can be, you know, it's a citizen-centric. You can always engage <coughs> engage with the, the citizens uh, using online. And uh, any 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 information that you have detected earlier, the, even before your your citizen make the complaint, you will know the you will know it exactly much earlier. <coughs> but also we we also pose this a lot of challenges that we're facing. One, for example, uh, that we understand once we want to deploy this kind of solution, this lack of uh, unified leadership because. When you are a big organization, we understand that everyone has their own silo of decision-making. So if it doesn't go across the whole unit, don't understand it. So it's quite difficult for us to make that buy-in, to get that buy-in. So you must have like a chief IoT officer, C-I-O-T, like Chion, they call it. But the chief IoT officer that can break down all barriers. public cloud, you can have it as a private cloud, or even you can have it on-premise cloud. So which you, you can own the, you know, own your data and control your data. But that's what the third one is that this lack of courage. People are scared to do these radical uh, changes yeah? because it needs a lot of transformation even among their employees. Of course, the talent is quite lacking. That's why we always insist that we want to encourage them to be early, understand the benefits, and now moving forward in how to deploy it. So you get them to be on board, like this webinar, they will understand what are the main components of how to deploy IoT. So then you have, you know, you have silos of data, you have difficulties of integrating the data together. And then you have the issues of 
should I dabble in house or should I get this uh, being outsourced to other third parties? So because of that complexity, uh, you might be managing your own internal or project management. But if you don't have the capacity or the talent, you can outsource some of this to external people. So I think that's why we need a lot of these things. Uh, people are scared. Let's try it out. We need a pilot. Faisal have mentioned just now, he's going to do that pilot in PPG. So from that pilot, you will see that there's four things that you need to understand. One is that you need to understand whether how mature is the technology, whether the framework, the technology is mature enough, whether the market can adopt and embrace this new technology, the new way of doing things, whether you can create a new business model, whether this model is very disrupt disruptive. Previously, you buy systems, then you subscribe to system. Maybe it's an outcome-based model where it's not subscription-based, but it's outcome-based business model. If you want to arrive in Kuala Lumpur, Within 30 minutes, you take a flying taxi. Uh, that's one thing, right? This guaranteed that you can arrive on time. That's an outcome-based sort of thing. And then you want to see the policy and regulatory. That's why like NTRS is needed in very a confined space. You can test out whether, hey, if there is a flying taxi, what kind of policy and regulatory is there? The ground transportation or the aviation is going to take handle of that. You know, whether that there's no tire at all. Is that what we call a car? Because there's no tire at all, because now it's a there's a rotating blade. Is that helicopter? No, it's not helicopter. So who actually make that particular rule and policy and regulatory? Yeah. So you, you need to make that changes within the within that regulatory body. Because we don't want the regulatory to, to stifle the innovation. We want them to encourage innovation, but also to protect the customers. So how do you implement this? It's through understanding. From the sensor from data part and understanding how can you bring this data making it more valuable because data alone is not sufficient because you can data being owned by a personal they, they have your sensors they own it a private owns data they keep it you know private organizations public the government have data they also keep it you know and then you have commercial data then you can sell it if you want to huh? so data can come in many forms you know uh, the, the four Bs of big data analytics, volume, big, small, variety, text, multimedia, video, veracity, you are uncertain of the data, velocity, very fast and very slow. And from there, this kind of data that comes in with symbols and numbers, it doesn't mean anything. So you can say data is all, but it's purely a black, actually. It's purely a raw black oil, unless you can turn the data into something meaningful. If you can answer, you can turn the data into something like you can answer the questions of who, what, where, and when, it becomes information. People pay for that. And when you can answer the questions of how, it becomes knowledge. When you can answer the question of why, it becomes understanding. And it comes, the highest part is the human versus wisdom. But that's where people pay for the services. I would ask my, the only questions that I need about my business is why my, why my revenue stream goes down by 10% this year? Then you have to answer by, you know, the questions of who, what, when, when. So you put sensors at the parking lot, for example, why there's not enough people going to that particular parking lot during that particular time of the day or the month and so on and so forth. So you have to detect that. You have to find the right sensors and making sure that they can find the right data. And then you can make decisions. Yeah. So data can come in many forms too and can come from many sectors. So as I mentioned to you just now, it can come in very silos. You, your home can create your own data. 
you know, waste area, health, transport office, they can generate a lot of data. But data in a smart city is more important if you can blend the data together. Then application developer can create new applications by just blending the data can, from different sources. You know, home, waste, and health can make a different applications. Office, transport, and home can make also a different applications. So that, you know, that allows us to be more creative and innovative by opening this data to other peoples. This is what like, people like us in IOTA, Pebble, uh, provide that platform. Yeah? So let me share with you what we have. Uh, we have a short more time. So for example, as I mentioned to you, uh, like us, Pebble, we are the third layer. It's the middleware. It's a platform as a service. We allow you to control your data, full control over your data. You have full control of developing your own applications. Yeah? The rest, let us handle it. You don't have to think about how to connect the sensors below with all the various data connectivity protocols, the complexity, and connect it on top of the platform. So once the data is being, being hosted there, you can do device management. You can control where the data that comes from. You can create projects, applications, uh, groups, you know, streams, and also so on and so forth. So easier for people of any nature who system integrator can help you in building different kind of applications. Yeah. So, uh, so we have this platform that we offer to the users. You can you can scan it out. Uh, they have very friendly APIs. If you are a system integrator or you are application developer, you can use this platform and can create your own application. We have a lot of tons of resources that you, we, we have already shared that on YouTube and social media, all that. You can use that to create it easily. Yeah? You can even within two, two hours, you can create your own IoT solutions if you want to. Yeah? So now we have opened it up and we have more than 4,000 developers around 109 countries around the world. And they subscribe to the platform, but they create their own solutions. Rather than favorite ourselves create our own verticals, we allow other people to create their own verticals. They specialize on that. Of course, we also can we also we also can help our customers by having a project basis if you want to. But we also allow other people just to subscribe the platform easily and become the developer themselves. So these are some of the sample applications where you can blend the data together, like from the water quality, water level, from the weather, water metering. So it becomes like smart environmental applications. And we can connect this to LoRa network or whichever network you can. Yeah. So in, in example, in, in a more confined area in a smart city, in a data center, your parking lot, in the other monitoring, the noise and air pollution, you can blend the data in a different kind of manner. So in, in warehouse, for example, industry, for you, for you want to monitor your power, your asset, your warehouse facilities, your smart factory, this also can be a different kind of applications that you can create. Okay, so how do we start? Your journey is quite simple. There are three, three steps that you require. First, you can think very big, but you start small because you need to have that buy-in. Focus on one application, one area of problem that you can solve it and have immediate impact. Secondly, you can integrate that with your existing backend system. Initially, it can be a separate system. Later, you can integrate with your backend system. The third part, you can innovate. You can create new business uh, uh, workflow. You can create new business model. You can have more data and you have more analytics because from there, you can have a better decision-making process. So I think with that, I would like to encourage you guys to join us in this journey 
where we can iotize the whole business. Thank you very much. I'll pass back to our moderator. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mazlan. Uh, hopefully, many uh, more people will be inspired to iotize their business uh, following on from your presentation, inshallah. Right, um, quite a few questions in our chat. Uh, the first question that we have is uh, for you, Dr. Mazlan. Uh, how do we bring or attract our talents to drive innovations in IoT? Do you have some thoughts on that? The question is, how do we? Bring or attract our talents to drive innovations in the field of IoT. Okay. Uh, one of the things that uh, we found out in the universities previously, three to four years ago, they didn't realize what IoT is all about. So when we have our platform, we suddenly found out there is no actual IoT developers out there. So how do we can attract and encourage people to be more IoT talented? That's where we, we start back with the universities. We revamp and refresh the contents in the universities in such a way they know exactly what are the components of IoT and how to build IoT solutions. So we provide that platform that we have just now to encourage them and start building uh, uh, in a very structured manner IoT solutions. So now it's not only within the universities. I, I can see there's a lot of other companies out there who is actually building and training uh, IoT uh, you know, uh, building IoT solutions, starting with basic Arduino, because they just want to know what are the devices that are required, what are the connectivity that's required, and what kind of platform, and then they build the applications. So this, this has been ongoing quite sometimes. I know that it's quite tough, but uh, it's quite encouraging to see that after the last three to five years, we, we can see the fruits of the labor now when uh, the government is talking about the industry forward and all that. So one of the things, Dr. Mazlan, that we do at MDC, uh, and, and I do know that other organizations are also doing this in, in terms of developing talents in relation to IT, is to have uh, basically skills building programs for young children, as young as even 10. We, we do this in our uh, Center of Nine Pillars in MTDC as well. Do you have any thoughts on this and what kind of the programs are suitable for, for young people like this? Yeah, I think that... The programming skills that they are doing now, being, being taught in the universities, in the colleges, in the schools are quite relevant. I mean, as simple as you, you need to know C, yes, C++ or C programming, Java, and then you need to know Python, you need to know skills like uh, Angular and all that. So these this are the, the common skills that I think what we are seeing is the right skills that they should be learning. And if they start to learn in the schools themselves, it's much better. I think we, we, we're going to teach them much at very stage. Otherwise, they will be in the graduate, I mean, uh, final year graduate, then they start to learn, then it's too late for them. But school is the best uh, time for them to at least understand and get them excited about this technology, how it impacts them. You know, people like school children, small children, when they see that they can control things, control the lights, control the robots, they get very excited, even though they don't know the fundamental of what makes it work. But at least they know that how their talent can impact that particular device. When things are moving around them, they can see physical. Uh, that's really attractive. 
Yeah, and they pick it up very fast, right? I mean, compared to adults, I've seen my, yeah. even my children, once they learn, they pick it up so fast. And even though uh, they don't understand the fundamentals, I guess the key is to get them comfortable uh, with using the technology and the fundamentals then, then come later, right? Yeah, I mean, like my case, for example, when uh, during the early days, we only see robots in cartoons, televisions, <laughs> we didn't really see in, in physical things. But now the children are using robots in the schools and that what attracts them to science. So I think that's the basic things that we need to do, uh, ensure that they are very excited, uh, not to be scared about technologies and to make it more less complex for them. Yeah. Um, right, another question here from Chewan Ahmad. Uh, he's asking, why do some Malaysian companies hesitate to adopt IR 4.0? Uh, is there any valid reason or is it just because they don't know or aren't aware of the benefits? Uh, as I mentioned, there are various reasons. Um, one is that maybe they don't have a proper planning in a very early stage. And uh, uh, the most important part is to find in which area of their work that you know, that cause a lot of problems. And uh, to see that because now they will understand that technology will help them. But once they know IoT is a technology that can help them, they also don't know how to start their journey. And of course, I know it's very complex. But even for me, I've been trying to learn IoT for quite many years. So if they are unable to develop in-house, I would suggest they, they work together with their partners or their vendors, wherever, talk to them and start their journey at the very early stage by planning, understanding which business problem that they want to tackle and start from there, start small. Sometimes when you uh, try to engage them with very big project, they might be scared because they don't know the impact. They, they, might, be, they, they might be scared because you, you might spend millions of ringgit, but you don't see the impacts. But the easiest part is to start small and get the buy-in from the management uh, because even the management is the older generation. They don't know how technologies like this can make an impact. So you have to show them. But we are seeing the new, new generation is the younger ones are getting excited, but they need to get the buy-in from their management who are a different generation too. Yeah. So that's one thing. I think that, that's why I think technology is not the stumbling block. It's the mindset. It's how, and also the talent that we need to, to, to create within the organization. Yes, uh, that, that seems to be a very common theme uh, for our speakers. Even yesterday, we had uh, Mr. Chu from Repro uh, speaking about that. You know, it's always an issue of mindset, getting the uh, top level to adopt these solutions. And also, um, our speaker, Mr. Luke from Green Farms, uh, was saying the same thing. To get these farmers to adopt the technology when they've been doing it uh, all this while for the same uh, few generations, and it seems to work perfectly well. So to convince them is something that, that must be done. So I guess skills and uh, in terms of change management is something that's very important, yeah, Doctor? Yeah, I think once you, you have done that TOC, you can do the benchmark before and after. So once you have done the benchmark, you can, if you can see the impact and it can reduce the cost by 10%, 20%, it depends on the value, your, your, your cost. If your cost is 1 million, 10% is a very huge number. You know, but if your cost is 1,000, you don't see the impact. But as you can see the impact slowly, you know, once you scale it up, uh, and then you will see that, that value. Uh, uh, my worry is that we, we have been talking about uh, artificial intelligence. We are talking about machine learning. We talk, we talk about big data analytics, but where is the data? So the data should become from the IoT sensors that should be collected, you know, uh, 
you need to deploy thousands to get that kind of data. And then from that volume, that big data analytics makes sense. Otherwise, we don't call that as a big data because it's very small volume. So that's why I think that the fundamental step towards even going before AI, you need to have that IoT to be in place first. Gather the data, collect it. Once we have that data, your, your data, uh, that huge amount of data can make sense to do that machine learning part. Okay, uh, Doctor, one question from Tuan Sai Hisham, and he's asking, uh, what is the iotization level in Malaysia among SMEs? Well, currently, I, I still see it's quite low. Uh, it, it depends on which organization, in which sector, but I think I've seen a growing uh, area in the agriculture. They are now trying towards that, you know, having that IoT too. To measure their, uh, their their soil and so on and so forth, and uh, in in transportation, it's quite good. I think uh, we know that the importance of security of our car and so on and so forth. Even that is also a very good area. But we we didn't realize that in our hands there is always an IoT device, which is the phone, and people have been using and that phone because it has sensors, it has connectivity and have an applications. Waste, for example, waste application. This is actually an IT application. We didn't realize that. And they use our data to ensure that you, we find the right routes, the time, the, 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 the barriers in front of us. They have been collecting that data. I've seen our companies in Malaysia, Katsana, they have this drive mark application. You download it, it can tell you the behavior of the driving pattern, you know, the way that you accelerate, the way that you brake, the way that you corner, using by that app itself. So that is one area of I can see a lot of uh, applications. I think now in the area of the SME, uh, the problem is that we have that big jump. SME is now still in traditional one and two, where it's electrical, and a lot of things are not online and not digital, uh, sorry, not have database at the back end, for example. So it's, so to work towards four, you need to make sure that they have online first. So that's the fundamental for, for four to go in. So three is still uh, lacking. So and and it's because that the traditional equipments are you need to retrofit it with sensors and so on and so forth. They don't want to to disrupt their their operation and so on and so forth. That's what slows down a lot of things. Uh, otherwise, if a new factory and also and all that, they might have to ensure that their machine is IoT enabled. That is easier. Otherwise. To, to migrate and to retrofit that into an IoT, it takes a longer time. Uh, it, it takes a, some cost for them. Yeah. 